All right. Aloha and welcome to Wisdom Dialogues with Hope Johnson coming to you from Palos Park, Illinois. <laughs> Palos? Palos Park, Illinois, uh, in Chicago. Wait, near Chicago. Yes. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much. Whew. As usual, uh, very eventful. I mean, it doesn't really have to be very eventful as far as like, um, you know, you would you would com- comparing to other things or anything like that. It's just that in the life, when you're uh, aware of the purpose of life, it becomes very eventful, even if you're just sitting in your room by yourself, because, you know, you're constantly getting these, uh, this stimuli, this mental stimuli that's constantly, uh, referring you back to what's really true. I mean, if you're willing to use it for that purpose, it's always pointing to what's actually true. If you're not willing to use it for that purpose, then it's constantly about what can you get? What can you always get? How can you get better? How can you uh, get more um, or even get rid of something or um, get a certain person or improve your improve your, uh, I don't know, dance skills, let's say, (laughs) whatever it is. Um, But the life is always showing and always pointing and everyone is you. That's a that's another thing, just recognizing Everyone is you. Anything that comes out of anyone's mouth is always referring back to you. And everything that you think about everyone, that's always referring back to you and showing your mind. So for me, I just want to, you know, I just want to see that. I I love it. And I love all the people that pop up and all the things that they say, even if they seem to be stupid or mean or anything like that because of what it's for again and again. Um, so since I've been in, uh, since I've been in Chicago, I've witnessed so much, um, had such amazing experiences. And, you know, I haven't had a lot of contact with, let's say, spiritual people, um, like we do in Pune, you know, lots of people are spiritually minded there. So it's very different. Like when I'm walking around in Chicago, let's say in the city, um, there's plenty of people, there's people everywhere. People just don't make eye contact there. That's one thing that's interesting. That's very different about Pune. When you walk around Pune, people, make eye contact with you. And that was one of the things that I saw. And I was like, wow, I would really like to live amongst a community like that, where people are just that open um, to connection, right? Uh, Because the mind is so busy for the regular people who are in Chicago or uh, somewhere else on the mainland. They're just so busy. Their eyes are focused on something else, the ground, um, their phone, the stores, they're not they're they're not open for uh for an interaction is what i say for the most part a few you know i'm just walking around the street smiling of course <laughs> because because that's a that's how it is everything's beautiful even the streets of chicago where i couldn't see anything green <laughs> nothing green at all it was like a completely different kind of jungle uh i've heard it called concrete jungle that's a really good 
word for it, but still it's, it's beautiful because of what it's for. It's always beautiful because of what it's for, you know, like myself as Hope Johnson with, uh, with uh, uh, the apparent likes and dislikes and preferences that I have, it seems like I prefer green. I want green all around me. I love it. It feels so good. And that's how it is in Pune. So it seems to me that, oh, I really don't prefer this, this gray city. You know, everything's pretty much gray. It's like shades of gray. <laughs> I'm even wearing gray. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but because of what it's for, it's like you can appreciate everything and not be hating on things, you know, and, and even my own apparent preferences. You know, this is empty. There's not anyone really here with preferences. That is a sense. That's a sense that I have preferences. There's a pre- sense that I have preferences for food. Definitely notice that when I'm traveling because all of my conditioning about food comes up whenever I'm traveling because I'll, you know, restaurants and, um, and different stuff people are making and, and going to the store and, you know, people are saying stuff like, Oh, put petroleum jelly on that or something. (laughs) That'll heal that thing. If you put petroleum jelly on it. (laughs) And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I told the person, I told the person who someone was saying to put petroleum jelly, I go, please don't put petroleum jelly on that burn. <laughs> and the, the other person was like, what's wrong with petroleum jelly? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You guys probably, you, I don't know. I don't know how everyone's conditioning is and what they learned in this life or whatever, or, you know, the nonsense, really the nonsense that we learn. Um, you know, a lot of the people that I know, you say petroleum jelly and they're like, oh, we don't want any of that. <laughs> what? <laughs> pee on a burn. Okay. Pee on a burn. Yeah. I don't know if she was going to take that very well. I didn't, I didn't even think about that though, Glenn, because I'm not one of those urine drinkers either. <laughs> But it's funny because, you know, I was talking with my friend Goda. This is a this is the house she's staying in. And uh, this is her parents house. And and I was talking with my friend. She's she's like, uh, none of that stuff is real. Right. And I go, yeah, none of it is even real. It, it's just it's funny because um, I have all these ideas about what's good for you and what's not good for you. And then I also know that none of it is actually true yet. I'm like please don't use petroleum jelly on that. And, you know, it's like, that's okay. That's just okay. That's the idea. You know, these different ideas, it's like, it's like reflections, it's all reflections of the one. So it's like, it's like, if I'm guided, I know I'm guided. If it's just coming out of my mouth, If, if I'm guided to share with someone, something that I know about health and boy, do I seem to know a lot apparently go to a great reflection of that for me, because every time I say something, she's like, you know, something about that too. (laughs) It's like, yeah, apparently I know a lot. Like I could be one of those persons that comes into your house and you're ready to change your whole lifestyle over to, you know, the healthy lifestyle or whatever. And I could actually help you. I could change your diet. I could change all this kinds of stuff. And knowing that none of it's real and knowing that none of it has effects. Here's the thing, though. When you believe that things have effect, 
they're given power. And that is the case, okay? I could say I know that no thing has effects, but still, I know that I believe things have effects because it seems like things have effects, okay? Um, so that doesn't mean that, and this is a, a big way that it's, it's mistaken by a lot of people, especially Course in Miracles people, um, because all the emphasis on the body is not real, okay? Still, at the same time, we've given these things power, and our mind is so powerful to make illusions that these things that seemingly have power seem to have power. So it's not as if you can't, uh, you can't, you can't go, oh, well, you know, I'm not really into taking petroleum jelly or share with someone, please don't put petroleum jelly on your burn because you know that none of this stuff really has an effect. And yet, you know, same thing. Let's say someone can't swim and they're running for the ocean, right? They never learned how to swim and they're running for the ocean. You're probably going to save them, especially, you know, you know that about them. You're probably going to go save them so they don't drown in the ocean. It's an apparent drowning. No one drowns. The ocean can't really do anything to you. And yet you can't help but run out there and save them because you're, you know, that's just the way the mind works. And that's the way it, you know, it comes up so that you're not like, uh, you're just not, you know, I don't know, slicing people, <laughs> right? Uh, making apparent appearances of harm. Uh, so in our particular society and the way it's set up, and it's because our mind is corrupt, Okay, the society, it's not, it's not like the society is, is corrupt. Society is actually neutral. Uh, so it's not like the government is corrupt. Let's put it that way. It's not like the govern, government is corrupt. The government is actually neutral. Um, but the mind is corrupt because the mind is believing as if it's a separate self and and, and and that there's dangers and that there's threats in the world, that there's real threats in the world. So they prevent present themselves like that. And here's the thing. If you're aware that none of this stuff is really uh, is really any kind of impact is none of no food can affect your body. No environment can affect your body. You know, no ocean, for instance, no, no big ocean wave can even affect your body. Then you can just allow these things to unfold as they do without anxiety. You see, it's like, I know so much about that, about this. And, and this is really non-knowledge, knowledge of the world. Wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. It's true. Uh, so, so in that sense, like, let's say I know so much about, uh, about artificial fragrances. Okay. I've seen the movie stink. Uh, and, and, you know, there's other, there's other uh, resources for that too, but anything that's a fragrance, that's an artificial fragrance is said to be, and, you know, through research and stuff like that is said to be super, super toxic, you know, and that stuff is in everything. So I find myself standing in Sephora today for about an hour and it smells like artificial fragrances. As soon as we walk into the place, right. I find myself standing in there. Probably it was probably about an hour. I don't know. I didn't time it. Um, but you know, you, you might go, well, if you know that those things are so bad for you, then why would you stand in the store? Well, they're not really 
bad for you. It's not like that. And if I was guided to not stand in the store, then I wouldn't stand in the store. At that point in time, it's fucking cold outside. <laughs> and my daughter and my friend were in the store. So that's where we are. We're in the store. And I know I'm inhaling, uh, apparently, still apparently, inhaling all this fragrance. Now, I don't find myself using a lot of artificial fragrance, but I do from time to time. I happen to have shampoo and conditioner right now that has artificial fragrance in it. What do I do with that? How do I handle that? Well, you know what? I just recognize that it doesn't have any power over me because I don't actually have a choice in it. I don't have a choice in what shampoo I'm using. So it's not a, a, a guilty thing like that. And recognizing what it is you know, as far as it's set up in the mind, in the world and stuff like that, in recognizing what it is, it's not like I'm overloading myself with the stuff too. And that's the purpose of the perceived world to overload you, overstimulate, you know, overstimulate and, and, uh, and kind of like weigh you down. So you can't, uh, know who you are because in knowing who you are, that would collapse the system. Okay. As, as soon as, as soon as one person wholly knows, completely knows who they are, a corrupt system cannot be in place. So the whole drive is to uh, kind of like dumb down, almost make a compliant breed of people. And in that, people are afraid to know. So it's kind of like you would be afraid to know. Let's say a bunch of people are on their way marching toward the ocean and they can't swim, okay? In the, in the marching toward the ocean, there's a lot of fear of knowing, oh, where are we going? <laughs> fear of knowing uh, because that's where the crowd is going, right? And that's and that's the thing. People like to stay with the crowd and not question and not make any turbulence for anyone. And that's the way it is, uh, you know, with the whole you know, masking vaccine. You see that all the time, right? It's like, I didn't really want to do that, but I did it because so that I could be like, with the crowd, you know, I'm going to be with the crowd. So, um, you know, for instance, someone might mention to a, a to a dentist, hey, you know, I don't really want to get those amalgam fillings because I heard about how those amalgam fillings are really poisonous and people having all kinds of side effects and stuff like that. And the dentist would go, oh, that's some crazy hippie shit. Right. Then dentists just go, oh, that's a. And so you don't want to be seen as a crazy person. So then you go ahead and you get that shit in your teeth. And then, like 10 years later, it's like, oh, holy shit, I need to get this stuff out because now I'm having all the symptoms. Even though the amalgams themselves can't cause any harm to a body, it's the kind of mindset. And these are symbols, it's all symbolic. So that's why I know that when I go into, um, in case you guys don't know what Sephora is, it's a store with a bunch of makeup in it. You might be thinking, Hope, what the fuck are you doing in a store like that? You don't even wear makeup. You haven't seen my daughter. She's big on makeup. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like, and then, you know, checking the stuff out and um, not, not smelling, not, you know, trying to smell the artificial fragrances, although, you know, we are, um, uh, it, 
It smells like shit. Okay, <laughs> saying it smells like shit. And you know what else is really funny that I noticed? Um, the 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 perfumes and the different things in Sephora. Apparently, there's a fad or a trend going toward clean and natural products. Okay, there happens to be a trend toward these things. So they're advertising inside of this store clean and natural products. So what do I do? Pick one of them, one of them up, flip them around. Look at the ingredients. No, it's not really true. <laughs> it's not really true. It's not clean or natural at all. And it even says that on the fragrances, right? So there's these fragrances that, oh, we got we got one section that's for you people who are concerned about clean and natural. We got a clean and natural section for you over here. And you may be listening to this and you may have seen those and you may have thought that they're clean and natural. Well, uh, those fragrances are all artificial f- fragrances. And the funny thing about artificial fragrances, they're like a number one toxin, number one, like on a scale of one to 10, they're like an eight. <laughs> okay. They're like way up there <laughs> and they're, and, and they're just in everything. And you can see that, you know, the trajectory, the intention, um, and, and who knows, like, if it's some individual's intention or something like that. I'm not reading it like that because there's no real individuals like that, okay? Um, it's really a, an intention as far as the ego's concerned because right now the ego's afraid, more afraid than normal. The ego's always afraid, but the ego is more afraid than normal because people are waking up, okay? The mind is waking up. And that's really a sign that the mind is waking up that a place like Sephora has to have a clean and natural section for the people whose minds are waking up. And it's so funny because it's not really clean and natural. So you actually, you know, unless you're unless you're like a small kind researcher like I am, uh, you're just going to be fooled by that stuff because it's like say, telling you it's clean and natural. I can take one whiff because, you know, I, I sell uh, essential oils. I, have miracle botanicals, essential oils, and I sell my essential oils and I know them really well. I've done it, you know, 11 years. So I can tell the difference between a synthetic and a natural aroma just by smelling it. So I just picked up one of those little bottles of perfume. Oh, clean and natural smell. I'm like, nope, not even close, not even close. So these little tricks are to keep everyone kind of like dumb. And then Akea brought something up that was really cool um, recently about how um, it doesn't really matter uh, any of these toxins, any of these things, because humans always adapt. Uh, okay. Normally this seems to happen over time. Like, you know, it could maybe, maybe not in this lifetime. Maybe it's like hammering a bunch of people in this lifetime and then down the road, everyone adapts. And it's not even a thing anymore. It's not even some kind of an issue, right? Um, and, and then, and 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 then, and then I'm I'm like, oh yeah, it's all perfect. Like whatever it is, it's all perfect. Notwithstanding the things that I know about things, uh, I seem to know about things. Again, I know it's all nonsense because there's nothing here. It's just symbolic, okay. And naturally, your conditioning is just going to play out. So, you know, for me, someone goes, uh, you know, maybe I've, I'm, I'm walking down the street and I just don't have any essential oils on me, which is very unlikely. Um, but I happen to have some fine French lavender right here. And uh, let's say I got a burn and I 
didn't have any fine French lavender or any lavender, any real lavender on me. Someone hands me some petroleum jelly and says, here, put this on your burn. You know, most likely I'm just going to be like, no, thank you. I'll just let that, you know, be a burn. (laughs) But that's just how conditioning plays out. You know, it just, it plays out on its own. So we don't have to get anxious about anything or attached to anything because the conditioning is just going to do its thing. When, when we know something, we know something. Um, someone was asking me about food, uh, like, what do you eat and stuff like that? It's like, wow, you really know a lot. Like, how do I get from where I am right now over to where you are? And well, that's a process. It, you know, it took a process. It was like one thing. There's just like one thing. And it's real simple. It's like one simple thing leads to another simple thing. You know, if you're if you're interested in seeing through, seeing past all of the things that are uh meant to kind of like weigh you down, like kind of like weigh down on the consciousness. And and you just you know, no thank you to that thing. And if you if you happen to engage in that thing or um, whatever, like say you say you went through the uh, airport. Whenever I go through the airport, I don't get the um, X-ray, whatever that X-ray thing is. I just have them pat me down, right? Um, and and say say for some reason I have to end up in that X-ray thing where you put your arms up like that and they shoot you with all this radiation. <laughs> I'm not going to carry the effects. Do you know what I mean by carry the effects? That's what we do with our mind. We carry the effects. And, you know, one really easy way to to, uh, give an example of how we carry effects, let's say um, you thought that eating a cheeseburger was going to make you fat, okay? And you ate a cheeseburger at night. You had a cheeseburger at 10 o'clock at night, let's say. So carrying the effects, the thought comes up and says, you fucked up. Now you're, now you got that, you know, these kinds of things are how we torture ourselves. Nothing happened. You didn't eat a cheeseburger. (laughs) You didn't, you didn't just, another thing that I had the the perception that I did was sit in a highly, it's to me, it seemed highly chlorinated jacuzzi for about what? Four hours go to, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah after a sauna that seemed to sear my skin uh highly uh concentrated okay said she picked something up she thought it was she didn't she thought it was like a cap to a maybe a little cap she picks it up realizes actually chlorine in her hand it's like this chlorine that just kind of like melts into the water or something. I had that in my hand too. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I was playing with it. I almost had it in my mouth, just spacing out. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it's like that, that night I felt extremely dry. My skin felt so dry and it didn't feel dry. Like just from being here in Chicago, I didn't get, didn't get the sense that it was super dry, but after that, it's like, I really felt it in my hands and, you know, just like everywhere, I just felt like really dry and, you know, it, that's the apparent effect. But I know in my mind, 
that that has no uh, that has no ability to cause any effect any drying any dryness that i perceive is actually coming from my mind because you know what nothing happened before i wasn't in a jacuzzi before okay and yet and yet I'm not in a huge hurry to go back to the jacuzzi. I was actually thinking of doing wisdom dialogues in the jacuzzi. And I, I was about to do it in, in the jacuzzi, actually, notwithstanding the idea about it making me dry. I was about to do it in the jacuzzi. The main thing that stopped me is I touch my computer and I don't want to be wet touching my computer. because I got to go and look at what people are writing here. Yes, Ariel, there is no cheeseburger. Aloha, Sweden. Aloha, Max from Sweden. I love you. So yeah, I touched my computer and that was the big, that was the big, oh yeah, no, we're not doing that because I can't be wet while I'm doing wisdom dialogues. But that would have been the first naked wisdom dialogues. <laughs> if it had gone down like that. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, even if it were to happen again, it's still, it's okay with, it's okay with me. All right. Because again, what is the body for and what is the life for? Uh, see, when you're just aware of what the game is, that's enough. You just being aware of what the game is, that's enough. Automatically, you're going to be engaging in those things less just because you're aware of it. And if you don't find yourself engaging in those things less, just wait, be patient. If you're judgmental toward yourself, you're going to likely Find your, you're either going to find yourself engaging in it more, kind of like it's against your will. You know what I mean? People are going, um, uh, I wish I didn't drink so much. I've heard this, this, uh, you know, I've been drinking every night since I've been here. This is usually how it is whenever I go on a trip. I don't know why. I don't question it or anything. Uh, what? Because I'm with Akea. Akea said it's because I'm with her. <laughs> Akea actually said Akea is not drinking tonight. Um, she she had a really rough night last night. She's uh, she's partying with Goda's mom, which her Goda's mom is a full on partier. This is another story. <laughs> Akea got pretty hammered last night, and she had a rough one. And she's saying she's not drinking. I've already had a glass of wine. Um, and and you know, for me, I, I guess I just don't get to the point where I've like had too much to drink. It just doesn't occur. It doesn't occur. It hasn't. Um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, but but who knows? And, and and you know, when I'm hanging out with people who drink, there's all kinds of excuses about it. And and you know, that's a big reason why I love to say yes. Someone says, "Hope will you drink with me?" Yes, I will. Hope, will you smoke with me? Yes, I will. You know, because I know people are feeling guilty about things. And these are some things that people feel guilty about, especially smoking and drinking, really basic, right? Real basic things. So um, it's kind of like a demonstration. There's just nothing to justify, nothing to explain, um, no reason to uh, feel bad about it. And look, if you get a hangover, um, it's not because of the drinking. The drinking can't cause a hangover. Only guilt can cause can cause a hangover. That's how it goes. So it's not like I it's it's not like I don't drink enough to give me a hangover. I don't guilt enough to give me a hangover. That's all it is. The drinking is symbolic. 
Okay. It may seem like, you know, you need to drink a lot to, uh, to get a hangover, but you know, you can experience it having one or two, um, if that's what needs to pop up for you and remembering that it's always maximally beneficial. So as I'm saying this, I know how the human mind is about this. Okay. It's as if, if you do get a hangover, you're somehow guilty in some way. No, you know, what would occur for me if I got a hangover gratitude, just gratitude, not like, Oh, I've done it wrong or something. No, it's just gratitude. And it's just an awareness that the hangover sensation that I seem to feel is an effect of a guilty mind. It's not an effect of alcohol. That way I take all of the uh, all of the power away from something that actually has no power. Basically, I'm t- I, I, I'm uh, I'm purifying insanity in that way because these things don't have any power to affect us. It's always coming from our mind. And that's the same with, you know, let's say toxic substances. Okay. Like let's say fragrances, let's say artificial colors. Um, it's funny because these are two things that are really high on the list for toxicity, artificial fragrances, artificial uh, colors. And it cracks me up because it's in everything, but you know what, you know, what's funny. People aren't generally trained to feel guilty about artificial fragrances or artificial colors, but they're taught to feel guilty about different things. Alcohol, is a very common one. Smoking is a very common one. Um, so, uh, so, so it's like, it's like, no poison yourself in this way and not in this way. And what the poison really is, is guilt. That's all it is. Okay. That's all, that's all we're using it. We're just using it. Yes. I'm in Chicago. Isn't that fun? Aloha, Louisiana. Aloha, Cynthia. I love you. I love you, everyone. Yes. Um, so hanging out with uh, Goda's mom has been such a trip. It's been so much fun. Um, she's super hospitable, fashionable. Um, my kind of woman, she walks around in a robe. I think I didn't see her. I, I saw her. I don't know if they're called robes or what, but it's some kind of like a, almost like a smock. She just throws it over herself and it's this nice, beautiful, flowy thing, you know. Um, I, I got a really fun act accent lives in a mansion <laughs> there's that and it's legit this is this is legitimate a, a mansion oh yeah she drives a bentley in fact goda was cruising us around in a, in a bentley i don't even i didn't even know what a bentley was someone told me it's like a hundred thousand dollar car i had no idea goda goda was picking me up from the airport in a bentley and i was going well i'm gonna look for a black car because i don't know what a bentley <laughs> looks like, (laughs) but the hospitality is unreal. I've never seen hospitality like this before. These guys don't have servants or anything like that. It's that kind of mansion where you could have servants here. It would be totally acceptable, (laughs) but (laughs) they don't have servants. Um, the mom, it's almost like what we would call in Hawaii over Aloha. (laughs) It's almost to the point where, no, no, you don't really don't have to do that much for me. (laughs) Um, but constantly just like, Hey, can I get you anything? Cooking stuff for us. Um, definitely wants to keep on filling our wine glasses up. (laughs) 
<laughs> wants to keep on pouring the wine and, um, you know, constantly telling me if there's anything you need, I, you know, I let her know, believe me, I feel like I can do anything I want here. <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, it's such a, it's, it's such a sweetness, um, that, I don't really see, you know, this is also a different culture. This is Lithuanian culture. Um, the mom doesn't speak English very well. She, actually, she speaks English well enough that we can understand everything she's sharing with us. Um, it's just that she sometimes uses different words and she just has the cutest accent, you know. Um, but in in like an American culture, you're I've never seen someone be this hospi- hospitable, you know. I've, I've been b- visiting my mom on before and the vibe feels like when are you gonna fucking leave after about the first couple of hours it's kind of like you're really cramping my style when are you gonna get out of here you know (laughs) you're making messes yeah you know that kind of thing and uh yeah it's so in fact it's so hospitable here I extended my stay a week I was gonna go back to Hawaii tomorrow but actually I'm not going back to the 15th now (laughs) Fuck yeah. yeah, go to said fuck yeah. Well, you know, there's a um there's a sauna in this house <laughs> that I haven't even explored yet. <laughs> and it's a really big sauna. It's the kind you could lay down in. It's a it's a, a probably a bigger bigger sauna than I've ever seen actually in this house. Um and then there's also a movie theater, like a legitimate movie theater with luxury movie theater seats in the house. Um, so it's like, I haven't, I haven't explored that much yet. (laughs) So I'm going to stay another week. Um, but this, this, uh, hospitality is just like one of the sweetest things I've seen. It's like, so it's, it seems like there's just so much joy with having someone to share time with, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. That's something that we don't have a lot of, um, as far as in the world and even in Pune. Even in Pune, there's so much striving. There's all this striving. You know, everyone wants to be something that they're not right now. So that's why there's that's why there's no just chilling out, just chilling out with people and enjoying each other, enjoying each other's company. That's where the hospitality comes in. That's what I see. It's a, it's really enlightening to uh, interact with a person like that because normally what we're interacting with. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, you know, she has all the time in the world because she fucking lives in a mansion. Everything's taken care of. She doesn't need to worry about anything or anything like that. Well, I'll tell you what, the struggle is the same no matter what. It's always the same. Okay. Everyone's got a struggle. Everyone's got, it's because it's coming from the mind. So we look around, we might look around and look at a person like this in a mansion. This is so common for people. You know, I always get this too, because people just automatically assume this is where I come from. (laughs) Just because things seem so easy for me that this is where I come from. Well, I've actually never been in a mansion like this before, unless it was a museum. Okay. That's what it first reminded me of when I'm in here. I'm like, this is like going into a museum. Um, But it doesn't matter what kind of background you come from, what you seem to have, the struggle, it's the same. It's always the way the person is handling it that makes all the difference, okay? And there's, there's, you know, still 
uh, you know, the Goda's mom has brought up things to me that seem like really stressful for me and is or really stressful to her. Like, oh, I'm so stressed about this, you know, and and someone looking from the outside and go, oh, man, white privilege. <laughs> you have no right because comparatively speaking, you know, someone over here on the other side of Chicago living on the street you have no right to even complain. You know, that's the story. Uh, but but really, you know, of course, complaining isn't isn't really valuable. It's not really gonna help you complaining. Of course, you have a right to do it, but you know, it's not it's not not really helpful. But it is helpful in the sense that you do it until you see what you're doing. You recognize, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm complaining because I don't realize what this is for. Okay. That's one thing. But we get this idea that people are better off than us. No one's better off than anyone. That's not the truth. Okay. Because we're all dealing with the mind. We're all dealing with insanity. All right. And, and, and the only reason someone would seem like more upset in their life is because they're using their thinking to attack themselves more. It doesn't matter what they have. Having stuff is nothing. Okay. This life is like a little wisp. It's like a blink. It does not matter what anyone seems to have. Uh, yet people see this, they, people see this. I'm in a mansion neighborhood. Like I'm looking out the window and I see another mansion over there. <laughs> people see, people see this and think oh i i want that i'm going to try to get it or i want that i'll never have it i want that and i'll never have it because i'm the wrong color that's another one okay i don't got the right color to live in a mansion it's not like that at all we all get what's maximally beneficial to us so when you when you recognize that your treasure is really within that's the mansion, the treasure is within, then all your experiences can just come and go as they do. You know, you don't have to get attached to them. Whereas we had this show on today called Eat, Pray, Love. You guys probably saw it. It was my first time seeing it. I don't get to see that many movies because it's not a thing in my life. Um, But it was interesting because there was at one point she said something and me and Goto just looked at each other and we're like, yes, because you know, she's getting attached to all of her experiences. And that's the only problem. It's like she'd fall in love and then something would uh, something would come up in her where she'd feel really uneasy and then blow the relationship apart. It's like the whole thing is don't get attached. That's all. That's all we need. To, you know, we need to see that we're getting are getting attached to something is being attached to nothing because there's nothing here. There's not friends to get attached to. There's not kids to get attached to. There's not circumstances to get attached to. And we all get triggered all day long, myself included, right? I just love getting triggered though, because I know it leads to more joy. It's an opportunity, whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm holding on to and the moment. And that's all that can give me a trigger is identification and holding something. It's like a gripping to a thought. Okay. And the thought will always be about something not being right, not, or someone not being right. Someone not acting right, something not going right. Um, something weighing on you. Um, so I just take care of that within my own consciousness. I don't even have to 
to uh, let let a person know, hey, you know what you did back there? That was really this for me because it's irrelevant because it's actually irrelevant. It, it didn't happen for one. And you see how, man, if you don't grip on, if you don't attach to it, these things just pass, right? And if they're, and if they're not passing, then you're still holding on to it. If they're not passing, you know, if you're not able to be enjoy about it, and then someone will ask me, well, Hope, I'm sure you do tell people uh, at some point, uh, you know, if it keeps on going on, you might tell someone, hey, that's enough. You know, that's enough of that. Um, one example, um, last night, my daughter came into my room and she had been drinking a bunch. Well, it was our room. We share it. Uh, I, I think of it as my room. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Anyways, she'd been drinking, she'd been drinking a bunch and she came in, she was kind of loud and I was in a quiet, uh, quiet sense, you know, um, just like, uh, kind of loud. And I noticed myself get, get triggered. And then I'm like, okay, I know that's a trigger. Okay. Thank you. And then it keeps on going on and on. And then eventually I just go, Hey, you know what? I, I really like some quiet right here. And, you know, there's a sense that maybe my daughter felt bad about that. Um, and then it's just like, I just start laughing <laughs> because I know that it's not happening. I know that nothing is happening. It's just, uh, it, it's just like an energy play to try to get, it's like, it's almost like a hook, you know, the, the thoughts are, well, we'll, we'll go, oh, why don't I have my own room and all this different stuff. And it'll just go, start going like that. And, uh, and, and I know that it's not even really happening. And yet at some point I find myself asking for what it is that I seem to need, which is a little bit more quiet. Right. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's like that in a, in a relationship where, you know, when you voice something like that, it could be taken as, oh my God, oh no, did I fuck up? Did I make her whatever. And, you know, and that's all from my perception. I don't even know if my daughter was going through that, through something like that or not, but that's all from what? No, she was not totally uh, oblivious to all of it, which is great (laughs) because that's perfect for me too. Um, So, uh, so notwithstanding whatever the other person seems to be going through or whatever, it's just like, I get this sense, like there's uh there's some kind of tension and then it just makes me laugh. <laughs> and then, and then after that, it's dropped. It's not like I have to hold on to it as if any of the thoughts that come up to project need to be, need to keep on projecting as if something is a problem. And I'm, and then it's smooth again. And every time any kind of trigger comes up, that's how it is for me. It's just, it'll come up. Oh, this isn't right. Wait a minute. I know what that is. And then, and and then recognize it. And then it's nothing. uh, It's just no thing. It's just like no thing. And we do this all the time. I love it when I go visit my friend Gail, because she gets triggered by me all day long. Right. Uh, And like I do, I do, I do these little things. The last time I was there, I think I was closing her little closet doors more than the first time. Uh, the first time I went there, I just kept on leaving her little, she has these little accordion closet doors where they pull out and then they close back up by pushing them in. I know some of you are listening to this on audio, so you can't see what I'm doing with my hands. Um, but maybe you know what I mean. Anyways, 
I would leave those things a little bit cracked. And oh my goodness, it irked her so much. But you know what she did? She recognized that that's her trigger. And that's really when it comes to relating with people in any kind of situation. A lot of people think it's hard to relate with people, especially people you're close with. That's where all your triggers come up. You know, uh, immediate family members, especially immediate family members is very common or people that live together in close proximity for a long period of time when they're together a lot like that, they tend to trigger each other a lot. And that's why when you get into family dynamics, like maybe, you, you know, you're around a family or you're in a family yourself, you find people getting triggered at each other a lot. And it and and for you know quote unquote normal people, this is escalating into full on arguments, and that's only because one you know they don't have one person in the situation who can see things how they are. It only takes one. It doesn't take both of the people in the situation, but to be able to see things as they are, then these triggers don't have to get taken. Because what happens if you take one trigger, you get hooked by it, right? It'll keep on saying the same story over and over again, and you're automatically believing it. And it seems like this person, in fact, is the problem, right? And so then it feels like you're trapped. And most people are feeling like they're trapped in their relationships because, you know, they just believe what the heck they think, you know, it's just believing it. And if you don't believe it, then you see things can open up in different ways. I know when I believe it, I can't be kind to a person. Okay. So the fact that my daughter didn't pick up on any of that, I'm doing pretty good. Because oh, she was too drunk. That's like, she was. I'm just having fun talking to dad. And you, you were like, no, thanks. And then I went and took my makeup off and threw up. <laughs> right. <laughs> That. <laughs> You're more worried about feeling uh, feeling drunk, feeling overly drunk. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the other person doesn't even need to um, know about it, care about it, anything like that. Um, and if it does come up, and look at this too, any kind of perceived lovelessness coming from yourself or another person, you are perfectly unaffected by that, perfectly unaffected. So there's also the sense that when that was voiced through me, when I seemed to voice that, hey, you know what I need right now is some quiet, right? And then my husband's like, okay, okay, babe, let's, let's, let's go. I love you. And it's like, okay, you know, and, and getting the sense that there's also the sense that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said something like that. Maybe that seemed loveless in itself. Maybe that was the wrong thing to say. You know what I mean? It's like all of it, all of it, whatever you perceive, anything that seems to be even questionable, what did you do? What did they do? It's all the same. It's all put it right into the same basket. You're unaffected by anything that you seem to say, by anything that anyone else seems to say or do. You're completely unaffected by it. And that's in the moment. You just acknowledge that there's no effects. Just It's just the same as you're acknowledging that you're not getting any effects from, let's say, uh, pollution. 
let's say. It's so funny because just recently I was reading about how two hours of uh, two hours of sitting in heavy traffic, let's let, let's say in a city like Chicago, ha- causes brain damage, right? So of course that you know that thing that I read recently pops back up when I'm uh, I find myself in eh, mild traffic, not not intense, but you know somewhat, and I could smell the stuff. I'm walking down the street in Chicago, and um, gosh, I was walking around the streets for definitely more than two hours, so. Uh, the effects would be brain damage, according to that study that they just did. <laughs> but there's no effects on anything. So it's like you just you just uh, you cancel it out by recognizing what's true. OK, um, and really what's true is the mind is making all of the effects. No effects come from anything else but the mind. So. Last week, I was accused of um, not being empathetic enough, and um, I did a post about it, uh, not about the being accused part, but about empathy, because, you know, everything is just a teacher for me. So if someone's accusing me of not being empathetic enough, it's not like I'm going to question myself and go, let's see, was I empathetic enough or whatever. Um, but it's, it's more like what's in it for me, what's the lesson for me, you know, so that came up and, um, you know, it's really shown to me that this way that humans use empathy is actually attacking ourselves, right? Because here's, here's what empathy is. Okay. I'm going to give you the definition of empathy as I see it. And you'll find this in some dictionary definitions, too. It's really interesting because a lot of the words, if you look to like maybe the third definition, the definition that's down a little bit lower, to me, that's like a truer definition and um, a definition of of empathy that really makes sense to me is that it's a projection of a subjective mental state onto an object. Uh, in this case, another person. Okay. So it's like, oh, oh, that's so sad. Oh, that's so sad. Oh God. You know, they, you don't know how they feel. You have no idea. So what I gave an example of earlier with that, with that uh, example with my daughter, when I felt like, uh, when I felt like, oh, she probably took that hard when I said that. Uh, she probably took that like I like she was doing something wrong. She may have taken it like that. That's empathy. That's it right there. We don't have to use empathy, though, because as humans, we don't know how to use empathy. We don't get it. See, it, that's not really the truth. But my daughter just reflected back to me right now. This is the first she's hearing about it. Uh, she just reflected back to me right now. No, I didn't know what the fuck was going on at all. I didn't feel anything with that. Okay. So that's what I mean. It's a empathy is a subjective mental state projected onto another object. That's exactly what was going on there. Right. You can see that. And then my willingness to just be released from it. Hey, are you guys talking back there? I said I might, but I don't remember. Oh, talk to me. No, it didn't happen. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So, (laughs) so the the sense that the sense that she was 
feeling a certain way is actually coming from me. And that's the same if she's reflecting to me, hey, I'm feeling this way. Um, it's the same thing. It, it, and it, it's not like it's not like, OK, now I'm right now. I know how she feels. Uh, no, you know how you feel. You know how you are making yourself feel with your own thoughts. It's a subjective mental state projected onto an object and pretending that that object is infused with that mental state, right? She's not, she, she has no idea about this mental state, but is pretending that the object is infused with the mental state. Okay. So people who feel like they have been harmed by something other than their own thoughts, and that's pretty much everyone, right? Um, they, they get the sense that, and they believe in, they are affected by something. Maybe they're affected by you. Maybe they're telling you, you know what, that thing, the way you said that, that was totally uh, narcissistic, let's say. I, I could tell you're a narcissist because the way you said that, and when you said that like that, it hurt me really bad. Okay. So here's the thing about empathy. They're demanding empathy. It's not really what they want. They don't want you to project your mental state onto them, but you know, they think they want that. And that's the ego. The ego thinks that it wants empathy. It does want empathy. The ego totally wants empathy because that's what props the ego up. Okay. You projecting this subjective, subjective mental state onto another person. So at another point in time, my daughter came up to me and she told me something. I forgot what it was, but she told me something about how sad she was maybe, or how hurt she was. I don't even remember what it was. Um, uh, but, uh, but I asked her, I go, I go, do you want empathy? And she goes, no, I don't want empathy. The reason I tell you and I don't tell other people is because I don't want people to buy into my bullshit. Right. That, that's the reason. That's the reason I don't share things. I, you know, this is what she's she, she, she showed. She, she showed me. She's like, I don't share these things, these delusional things that go on in my mind with people who are going to buy into my bullshit because all that's going to do is project it. All that's going to do is help me project it. I'm sharing it with you because I know you won't buy into my bullshit. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and I go, okay, that's, that's really good to know. And, and so here's the thing when people are, and this is a, this is a common thing. I, I think around, I don't know if it's around like mainland people so much, I'm not sure. Um, I'm mostly associating with people in, you know, quote unquote, spiritual community. So I see a lot of that. All right. And I know that that's something that's really common in a spiritual community. Like you're supposed to be showing empathy and not be a narcissist. So there's really like a strong draw toward labeling people as narcissists and, um, and looking for empathy and, you know, kind of like judging people, like, are they, are they good at showing empathy? If they're not, they're in, they're a narcissist kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm the fucking worst at it. In fact, I'm not into that at all because whenever I feel empathy, you know what I do? I give it to the Holy spirit because the empathy is a means for compassion. It's like empathy is weakness, okay? That's what it is. It's a projection of a subjective mental of a subjective 
mental state. Okay. So it's, it's a weakness and it projects weakness. And that's not a popular thing to say. I know. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny because, because someone, someone told me, um, that something about, you know, this is really bad since I'm a leader in the community. Well, here's the thing. I'm not trying to be a leader in the community. Okay. That's not my thing. That's not my game at all. I'm not looking to be um, anything about a community. There is no community as far as I'm concerned. There's only the truth. Okay. I'm only tell the truth and I don't really mind what people think of me. And, 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 and here's the thing about what people think of me too. It's meaningless. All right. Uh, and and that's a big that's a big thing for for people to think that they need other people's approval. I've seen that a whole bunch this week. This is a total systemite thing too, to think that we need other people's approval. Um, here's the thing: you cannot be affected. You're completely and perfectly unaffected by anyone's dislike of you. <laughs> If you make that meaningful for yourself, then you suffer. If you don't make that meaningful, that apparent dislike for you meaningful, then you're not going to be suffering. So perfect example I saw about, I saw with that uh, this week, um, Goda's sister-in-law, it's her brother's uh, girlfriend. She kept on bringing up about how she doesn't want, last thing she wants is for anyone to think anything bad about her, okay? And it's interesting because that's exactly what makes these relationships, like you're, you get the sense like you're always trying to, to please. You're always trying to get them to see you in a positive light. And what I see is when you do that, like, let's say in an in-law situation, you want the in-laws to really, really like you, or at least like you a little bit more than they already seem to, <laughs> you know? So it's like constantly, your mind's constantly doing these angles. It's doing these anglings, right? To try to get you to posture a certain way. Look at me in this light. This is how I want you to see me. Look at me like this, right? It backfires all the time. I see it backfiring all the time. It, it doesn't work for people because it has an opposite effect. People are affected by this sense that you want to please them. And it's automatically making it, making this energy like, ooh, I really, you know, don't feel comfortable around that person. Now I'll tell you, I related this to Goda earlier. Um, when I met my husband, I was only 21 and he was 29. And, you know, I used to, I, I used to dress like, you know, a 21 year old from the eighties. I had a little tiny tops with, you know, and cute little things. And his parents would be uh, looking at me like, Oh gosh, hopefully that one passes quick and she's the fuck out of here. You know, and and I'd go to I'd go I'd go somewhere with them. My husband, well, he wasn't my husband at the time. He was like a fling to me. He was a fling. I was not. I'm not into getting serious about people. That's not how I am. Um, but um, the family is sitting there. He's out of the room at the time. The family, some of his sisters and his mom. It was like girls' time, basically letting me know that I'm not good enough for him. Basically letting me know that I'm not good enough for him. So what do I do? I laugh. And it's like, it's a good thing I'm having sex with him and not any of you guys, since you guys are the 
ones that don't approve of me. And, you know, it's like, it's funny because it's like, I fit in just fine with the family, but just didn't get, give a crap what any of the any of the family members think of me. That's not even really my business, uh, you know, except that I'm not really drawn to people that don't think awesome of me. <laughs> That's how that is. <laughs> Still, uh, you know, I don't mind showing up at the parties and being with my husband and and having fun and and uh, and then if they if they start to like me and we can hang out and we can jive and then that's what that's what goes on. But this thing about trying to impress people, that's also an effect of that, you know, that's like that empathy thing. It's projecting this subjective state and wanting it to be something different, right? But really all of these feelings, any of that you know, a sense like someone doesn't like you or someone's mad at you or uh, or or uh, someone's hurting. That's another thing. You might uh, hear a story of someone getting raped. Let's say you hear a story of someone getting raped. What automatically happens? Empathy. OK, nothing wrong with it. It's given you because it's a weakness and your weakness is God's strength. OK, um, it is it is showing you your weakness. A projection like that is showing you your re- your weakness. And when you hand it over, kind of like surrender it, it could be used for exactly what it's for. It's, it's for. it's actually for compassion. And the compassion comes to you. So I didn't even realize it when I was so young, you know, uh, you know, 21 years old, I'm really allowing myself, I was really allowing myself to have compassion and that compassion was really being brought in. And, you know, it might've been, it might've seemed to people to be in a really brash way, you know, I had a brash mouth about me, which I still do. Um, But, you know, just saying, well, good thing I'm not having sex with any of you guys. (laughs) And he likes me. (laughs) So, you know, and it's just kind of like in that moment, I'm just allowing myself to have the compassion. And in that there's no repulsion and there's, and, and the compassion, it flows to everyone involved. Same thing goes on when there's a sense that you heard, oh my gosh, uh, someone goes, tells you a story about they've been raped. Okay. Um, what does the mind automatically do in most cases is project empathy, right? And in that moment, like, let's say it's something that's, uh, that seems like, oh, there's no way I can not feel bad about this. Like, I have to feel bad about this because if I don't, I'm a bad person. See, uh, that's the ego's trick. So when you get the sense that, oh, I have to feel bad about this. I just heard a story about a 14-year-old getting raped or something like that. That's one of those opportunities. There's no 14-year-old. There's no rape. Remember, come back to that. And, and, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, this is just too much for me, turn it off, okay? Uh, Come back when you're ready for it. It's not, I'm not doing it for debate. I'm not doing it for argument or anything like that. I'm just telling the truth, okay? So if if that's too much to hear that there is no rape, there's no 14-year-old, there's no this, there's no that, just turn it off. You don't, you, you don't need to listen to it. Okay. But if you're ready for this, then, okay. So, so you, you get the sense that this thing really happened and now you're projecting, you're projecting empathy. What did I say about projecting empathy? It's a self-attack. 
Okay. It's delusion, but it's also very valuable because your spirit can use it. Your spirit can use it for compassion. Compassion comes through you allowing it. Okay. And you have to have something to be able to allow it. So you have something that something in this case, what I'm speaking of is called empathy. And so whenever you feel empathy, which is all day long, you'll see when you look, you'll see is all day long. And you're just willing to hand that over to the spirit. That's how you're allowing compassion in, uh, because, you know, of course you are perfect compassion. It's just that your mind has gone insane, uh, only temporarily. That's why it's not real insanity because it's only temporary. Uh, it's curable and it, it it's already been cured. Really. It's just that we're playing it out. All right. We're playing out the scene and it's almost, it's really, um, just until we're willing to accept that it has been cured. All right. That's why I'm saying, and you know, I'm, I'm speaking quite literally. You might think that I'm, I'm like beating around the bush here. I'm speaking quite literally when I say that nothing happens here. It's actually for learning to see everything's for that. And everything's maximally beneficial. Even if it looks all bloody, it could look all bloody and gory. Okay. It's all totally beneficial for everyone. What is the alternative to empathy, which would be an, an expression of strength? Well, the strength is coming from your spirit. Empathy is a human emotion. All of those are weakness. That's all weakness. So what we're experiencing over and over again with these human emotions are weakness over and over again. Okay. So in this case, compassion could also be, you could also say it's synonymous with love because it's really only one thing, but we have different names for it to kind of help us see. Okay. And also uh, the way the ego uses all these different names is to confuse, but it's actually not confusing. It's really simple. And what makes it confusing is all these thoughts and all these different words. Okay. Uh, but when we take it as, okay, it's one thing, it's this, any, any human emotion is weakness. Any, even our idea of love, it's weakness. Look at it. it love doesn't turn to hate. Love doesn't turn to disgust. It doesn't do that doesn't turn to disappointment. It's another common one. I, I, I'm disappointed because I love you. No, because you don't know what love is really. So any, every human emotion is a weakness and every human, human, human emotion is caused by thinking. That's why it's a weakness. So, so where there's surrender, that's the strength. Okay. So in my case, someone might tell me, um, hope I really didn't like how you did that. And that made me feel this way. So it's like, thank you for letting me know. And also if I'm guided, the truth is going to be told too. And if you're someone who's further along, that's way more likely <laughs> if there's someone who's, who's further along and can kind of grok what I'm saying, maybe, even if you may be resistant to it, because that's a, you know, that's a thing for me. Like I'm, I'm ready to piss a person off. If that means that, you know, if telling the truth means pissing a person off, if telling the truth means that a friendship is going to come to an end or something like that, I'm prepared for that. If that means that even a family member wouldn't speak to me 
I'm prepared for that. I just tell the truth um, when I'm guided to. It's not like I'm like, I'm going to tell the truth no matter what. Because it's still, it's not of me. It's just that I'm not afraid of the consequences because I know the consequences are not real. When it comes to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly whole and I'm perfectly innocent and I'm perfectly loving and lovable no matter what I perceive, okay? So I don't have to buy into the perception. Now, one example of that, my daughter was um, emailing with a with a customer who the customer thought that the crystal that my daughter my daughter sells crystals, by the way, if you want to check her out, go to crystalsinthewild.com. It's really fun. Um, she's got a lot of different crystals there. But anyways, um, customer was saying that uh, that the measurement was off. She had a she had a ruler and she was measuring it and she said it was a quarter of an inch less than what my daughter listed it for on Etsy. So she wanted some kind of refund. So my daughter asked me my advice on, on that. And I go, oh, well, here's what I would do. You know, I'd say something like this and do something like this. Um, so she does that or something, some, some, some similar, you know, with her own creative flair on it. Um, and then she goes, the person never got back with me. Do you think she's pissed? And I go, I wouldn't even think about that. She got, uh, she got back to you now? Yeah, she's fucking stoked. She's fucking stoked. Okay. She didn't want anything. She just like, I she, told her how I measured it. And she was like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so she ended up, she ended up stoked. Uh, well, here's the thing. My daughter asked me, she hasn't gotten back with me. Do you think she's pissed? Do you think I said the wrong thing? And it's like this, you have never said the wrong thing. That's not a question. Okay. It's all awesome. And the thought, do you think she's pissed is a, just a meaningless ass thought. Uh, you know, when you come back to everything is working out perfectly, all things work together for good, which by the way, that really triggered a couple of people for me in this past month. And I, you know, I'm just grateful for that. It's like, um, one, one customer of mine is never going to be a customer again, because I told them all things work together for good. Well, that's perfect because I like customers who, who agree with that. Um, and one friend <laughs> and, and one friend decided I'm the worst person in the world. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, a, a narcissist, actually, because all things work together for good. And, you know, that just has to be OK, because all things do work together for good. <laughs> Because, because that is the case. And, you know, I just always demonstrate that to my mind and it's, and, and I'm not, I'm not attached to what kind of outcome I got. Like if Ikea got an outcome of how can you say that to me? You're such a stupid fucking bitch. I'm not, I'm never shopping with you again. That's good. That's actually good. Okay. Because, uh, because all things work together for good. And really I demonstrate that to my own mind over and over again, and notwithstanding what comes out of this thing, this mouth. Okay. In case you're not watching my hands, cause you're listening. All things do work together for good, but you know, that needs to be demonstrated to our own mind before we actually see that. And that there's no question, um, about whether I did it right. There's no question about that. And notwithstanding the outcome, 
In this case, she got an outcome that seems like a favorable outcome. So it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I see all things work together for good. Now she's so happy and she's so stoked and she's my customer for life because she loved what I said. Right. Well, what if the customer said, you stupid fucking bitch, you know what you're doing? You know what you're doing? You're a narcissist. You're actually gaslighting me right now with that message. Right. (laughs) That, that was the reflection I got last week. I mean, when I said something to a friend, I felt so good and so loving when I said that. I was like, she's, you know, even seemed like my friend was going to be like, oh, hope is so, so sweet. Wow. You know, huh? I was actually the customer in that friend slash I'm the customer. Customer is not always right, apparently. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. So that was the reflection I got last week, but still, you know, when my, when my friend, you know, I, I said something to her and, you know, I, and and I go, Hey, you know what you're, you know, I didn't, I didn't show up to that thing. I didn't show up to my appointment with you. I just want to give you the hundred bucks and, and, and go and, and Hey, I'm not going to schedule with you anymore because I can see that it's a big deal if I cancel. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that (laughs) actually, show up. (laughs) Anyways, I was not expecting it at all. Totally took me off guard because I felt really good. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's really nice way to, that's a really sweet way to, um, end that, um, portion of our relationship where I'm a customer and, and, you know, still thinking that we're like really good close friends, which we are maybe just not on the surface, <laughs> but still, uh, oh, they're really good close friends. Um, and, and, oh, that was a real, that's a really like loving, sweet way to, Hey, okay. Time to usher some new people in and I'm really excited and you're really great. And they're going to have a great time. Uh, no, the next thing is this total, you're a narcissist gaslighter, worst person in the world. Uh, the way you handled this was horrible. And, and, and I, and I go, uh, I go, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure why it worked out like that, but one thing I know for sure is that all things work together for good. And that was like the worst thing I could have said, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, but, but, you know, that the thing is all things do work together for good. So it's like you demonstrate to your mind over and over again. Oh, that's perfect. You know, it may feel like it may seem like, like to me, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> but, you know, notwithstanding that feeling taken aback, you guys know what I mean, where it's kind of like, what? <laughs> um, notwithstanding that feeling, it's like always being willing to see, willing for the spirit to show me all things are working together for good. And it doesn't have anything to do with the surface experience, not what's going on on the surface. That's meaningless. It's completely meaningless. So, for me, it's up to me and it's up to each of us. If you want to really live on purpose, it's up to, it's up to each of us to see willingness to see that all things are working together for good. Even when the illusion presents to you that it's all fucked up, it's all fallen apart because that's really 
what holds it, you know, in a, in a sense, like this is for healing and it's not for anything else. This is all for healing. The illusion is meant to show you that you're not who you are. It's meant to show you that. So you're going to have people basically telling you you're not who you are. And anytime anyone thinks they see you, but they see something that's wanting about you, maybe they see you as a, as a, uh, who knows, a whore. Let's go with that. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Goda loves that. Goda <laughs> loves that one. <laughs> She's got the best horror stories I've ever heard. And not horror, whore. whore. <laughs> I mean, there's like blood involved, vomit, all like all different. It's like, whoa, this is some good stories. <laughs> some stinky shit. <laughs> No, you didn't have a vomit one. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> Definitely some stinky stuff. <laughs> but, you know, you're getting a, a reflection that you're this thing. You're not. You're perfect. You've never deviated from perf- a perfect creation. You can never deviate from that. So the willingness here is willingness to de- to demonstrate to your mind that you have not deviated irrespective of what you think you see. You think you see someone telling you that you're unworthy, basically that you're unworthy of love. You fucked up. You made a mistake. Look, you can't make a mistake. You can't. And that's some that that's one thing. I feel like I'm kind of talented in that way. But all it is is willingness. All it is is just willingness. You know, I, I'm only willing to see myself the way that God sees me. I'm only willing to see myself. I'm not willing to see myself through the eyes of humans because the eyes of humans are flawed. And that includes these eyes that seem to be on my head. Okay. Uh, the, the image, even the images that I can seem to make of myself, they're totally flawed. I'm not seeing, they're not seeing the people in my, in my field are actually me. That's my mind. And it's reflecting back to me what I think. Okay. So it's like, when I get a, when I get a sense, someone's telling me, hope, you know, you're a narcissist. It's like, I think it's possible for me to be a a narcissist somewhere under the surface. I'm not aware of it. That's why someone has to reflect it. It does not mean that I'm a narcissist. That's not possible for me to be that because I'm only a perfect creation. And that's the same for everyone. So it's not just myself that I give that you might call benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit more than that. Um, but it's everyone because I am everyone. So if I hold another person out to be a narcissist, who do you think bears the brunt of that? That's me, of course, because there's no one out there. See? So if people are reflecting to me something good or bad, uh, they're not seeing me clearly. Even the reflection of something good is not seeing me clearly. Although I don't really need healing from a reflection of hope. I love you. I don't really need healing from that. Right. Um, 
but I need healing when I get a per- perception of hope you're unworthy. Okay. Um, and so in that moment, it's allowing compassion for myself and that's what extends forward. And that's why, you know, there's no need for justification. There's no need for making any excuses. Um, there's no, because, because for me, there's no need to keep the relationship. There's no even need to keep it. If someone, if someone wants to see me in a certain kind of light, they can go on seeing me in that light because that's perfect for them. I don't need to try to change that. If they're deciding they want to see me in that light, that's not something I want to interfere with. That has to do with their 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 lessons that they're learning. And that's not for me to try to change. Okay. So there's no relationship to try to save. If it comes back around, it comes back around. It's uh, I'm happy. And here's the thing about that too. There's only one relationship. There's only one relationship. It's 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 the it, let's say it's consciousness relationship with thought. All right, that's it. In a dream, consciousness relating with thought. It's only one relationship. So whatever bodies, and that includes human bodies, animal bodies. Um, even the stuff that you eat, okay, the the home that you live in, the car that you drive, all of these bodies, they're kind of like parading by just to help you see through the illusion that you're separate, all right? But it's one relationship. So it doesn't matter to me what bodies are present for the relating, and so, so in that way, and because of that, I'm naturally drawn to be around the people who love me. All right. And who knows, it, you know, you know, we feel so much and it, on a level that we don't recognize. Okay. Myself included. I'm not special in this either. Um, we feel so much. We feel each other so much in ways we do not recognize. So, you know, I I don't know what the case is. And, and it could be that the person I was having those appoints appointment appointments with was starting to see me in a negative light. And I just can't have that, which is probably the reason it seems like I forgot the appointment. Okay. Uh, And, and, you know, when all this stuff came out, when all these, when, when all these uh, kind of like a, let's say self attacks come out. It seems like it's making me wrong or bad or something like that. When all of these self attacks come up, um, they didn't just manifest right at that point in time. They've been building in the mind. You know, that's what it reveals to me too. Oh, that's been, that's been building um, this sense. Like there's something um, not good enough about hope. And I know that has nothing to do with me. That just has to do with how someone perceives. So in that case, I can feel that even if I don't know that I feel it, I can feel that. And that will cause me to miss an appointment. And I, you know, I'm like none the wiser. I have no idea that I even had an appointment that day. It's so funny. I had no clue. But the reflection that comes back is like I did it on purpose because I didn't have the balls to just say that I didn't want to do it anymore. I thought I did want to do it, but there was something building who knows 
what it seemed like to me, there was something building over time that wasn't tolerable for me, wasn't right for me. And that's why this whole thing just starts manifesting like that. Um, all I know for sure is that all things work together for good. If it seems like I made some kind of mistake, that's perfect for me. And if it seems like the person is pissed at me about it, that's also perfect for everyone involved. And that is such an important lesson because it happens all the time for everyone over and over again. People are walking around on eggshells like afraid of what someone's going to someone's going to not like them for instance. And that's there's no need to do that. Certain things are going to blow up if you don't let it have a if you don't let it have um an effect on you. And what I mean is you are perfectly unaffected. We let things have an effect on us when we start questioning ourselves. We start wondering and we start justifying, we start explaining to ourselves, you know, um, going back and, and going, oh, how could, you know, when I told my husband about it, he said, oh, well, you know, probably they took offense to it because of this. And I go, you know what? I am sure that if I look back on it, um, I'm going to find some way where I think I could have said it differently think I could have avoided that situation. But once again, I know that all these things are working together for good. So you see what I mean? You don't have to go back. You don't have to go back and look and and evaluate or anything like that ever. Even if they're like, let's say, uh, let's say you're living with someone and then all of a sudden they kick you out and you're here in Chicago, it's freaking cold here. um, And you are out in the snow right? And now you're cold in the snow. You haven't done anything wrong still. And you know what? You're going to get warmed up really fast if you're willing to see. It's your willingness to see that's actually your protection, okay? I know from my willingness to see, I just, I get the perception that I am so loved. I get the, and that's like, you know, the warmth that I'm talking about. That's the real warmth. You're not going to find yourself out in the cold if you're willing to see, if you're willing to not question yourself. And that's all that the spirit would have you, uh, have you know, is that there's nothing here to be questioned, to be another person's actions or your own. Either way, it's always the same. I know that's a hard one for people because we learn very early on, even from our parents, you know, you want to be pleasing. You want to be pleasing to people. You want to be pleasant to people. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's just ingrained in there. And of course we want to love, we want to be loved. That's just how it is. But being pleasing to people, um, really invites the ego to be your guide. How can I please these people? You know, if you're thinking in a sense of uh, more of in a sense is how can I, uh, how can I demonstrate to myself what's true? How can I demonstrate? Show me how I can demonstrate to myself what's true. Not how can I please these people? Because it's only going to backfire on you. You can probably see it in jobs when you, you know, you're working with people. 
the people who are trying to please people the most are the ones that are suffering the most and being used, getting used by people. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's a good one, Bob. Did that come from the Bible? I've heard another one too. Um, Yeah, let God be true and every man a liar. I noticed this so much um, in a spiritual community too, um, where there's a lot of weight put on what the other people in the community think of you to the point where, you know, I've seen, uh, I, I saw one post and it's like, you know, I, I, I monitored Facebook from time to time. I haven't recently, but um, this was probably like a couple months ago. And uh, a friend posted something about, um, hey, uh, to the community, hey, community, I'm trying really hard. I'm paraphrasing. I'm trying really hard to be this upstanding citizen in the community, basically. Um, I want you... I'm trying really hard. I want you to let me know how I can improve. And, you know, this is kind of like a godless way of thinking. Uh, It's a godless way of thinking, you know, uh, and, and people in a quote unquote spiritual community. A lot of the times these spiritual communities are pretty darn godless. Okay. This is what I see a lot. People are trying really hard and it's so sweet. Um, But it's really godless because you're looking to a human perception of you. You're looking for everyone's trying to get a good human perception. All right. Uh, And like like uh, be a leader in the community, for instance, (laughs) you're looking for a good human perception. All right. Um, And a lot of people seem to think I am that I'm and, 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 you know, I'm not going for that. I'm not going for anything like that um, because I'm not looking for a good human perception of myself, right? So um, when you're asking, hey, let me know um, how you think I can improve myself. And so then there's all this advice coming. You know, you should get an enema. uh, uh, You should uh, eat only vegan food. There's like all these ideas coming at you about how you can improve yourself. This is that this is what I mean. It's a godless question. You're actually looking for uh an illusion. You're looking to make yourself into an illusion and you want to take other people's uh misperceptions of you as if they're true. And this is how people cause a lot of suffering for themselves. <laughs> Again, I'm just telling you guys the truth. <laughs> That apparent person was keeping score, not L says. It is a gift. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, anyone who's um, who has an idea about, about how you can improve yourself, anyone who has that idea, you're, you're way better served just letting them keep that to themselves. You don't really need to know about that. And if you do find out about that, to know that it's not about you, because that's really um, the ego's way of looking at someone's interpretation of you to actually take it as if it's true. Someone says, uh, you know what, you, you, you know, one of the things is, is you should be polyamorous. Like you can't possibly be spiritual unless you're polyamorous now. That's a new thing. Um, it's relatively new. I've probably in the past 10 years, I've seen it manifest. Um, it's always going to change. You're never going to be good enough for people. 
They're always going to have something that you need to improve on. And that's the ego's way. So it just keeps on going on, on and on like this. And, you know, and, and I totally appreciate how, um, and a spiritual community in a spiritual community, um, there's a lot of rejection of Christianity, um, and, and the Christian God, basically what is referred to as the Christian God, because of the way it's been presented and everything like that. And, you know, I can totally appreciate that. I think it's great. You know, when I was 18 years old, I said, fuck you, Jesus. You know, I was a missionary as a kid. I was a Christian missionary when I was 18 years old. I'm like, fuck you, Jesus. You know, it's like, show me. uh, uh, I don't even believe in you. I don't even believe in this shit anymore. I'm like, just, you know, forget about it. It's really it's really um, a beneficial thing for you to go away and then come back. And that's what all all the people are doing um, when they they go basically go away from God and get into the thing. I'm God. Um, you know, I've done it too. I'm God. You're God. These people are God. These people are, who are telling me I'm all fucked up. They're God. Right. And so now I'm questioning myself. But really, we're all coming back to what's really true. Um, and, and, you know, you can't really be said in words. All I'm doing is pointing All I'm doing is pointing here, but I'm telling the truth because I'm telling it as it is, um, as it is being given me to present it in that time. But what I always share too, is that nothing I say, none of these words are true. None of these words that I'm saying are true. So if you hear me say something and it doesn't feel really good and loving, you didn't hear it truly. Okay, because the way it's coming and the way it the way it's uh, being given and presented is true. Like when it manifests through this form, it has a very true uh, sensation. Let's say um, you can tune in. That's how the spirit talks to us. That's how our spirit talks to us. It's through sensation, and you can get to know what the true sense it's like all the sensation is an illusion. It's not like really like that. Um, but since it's being used for communication for the spirit to communicate with us, um, we can know what is true for us. And that has nothing to do with illusions. I don't mean like your truth. Okay. Like that, but what's really coming through as truth it's not in the words. If the way it lands for you isn't loving and kind and feeling true, that's not the, that's a different interpretation. It's real easy to make a different interpretation too. So that's why I say nothing I say is true. Take it as just pointers and use your own guide to show you. Okay. So when we're looking to other people to show us what's true, we're still denying God. That's what it is. It's a denial. Okay. Looking to the illusion. Here's a good example. Something that really stuck out in my mind for many years ago, because there's all this manifesting, you know, there's all this manifesting vibe. Um, like I want to manifest my own reality kind of vibe. When I moved here, uh, when I moved to Pune, where I'm not right now, I'm in Chicago. Um, <clears throat> the, I did not move to Chicago. <laughs> Although I am staying another week. Um, but when I moved to Pune, there was this sense of if you're doing it right, 
if you're spiritually right, then you're manifesting exactly what you want. So I pull up to this farmer's market and um, I drive around. There's no parking space. So I drive around, you know, I'm feeling good, super stoked, you know, woo, I'm in Hawaii, I'm in Pune, I'm coming to this farmer's market, drive around, find a parking spot down yonder. I'm walking up, happy-go-lucky person goes, Where'd, where'd you park? And I go, oh, out there. And she goes, oh my goodness. I can't believe that you couldn't manifest a parking spot closer. <laughs> and and I'm just like, I'm kind of like, almost, it's almost like just hearing this is almost like a shock to my nervous system. Cause I'm like, whoa. Cause there's kind of like a sense, like, you know, I thought you were way more spiritual than that. I thought you would be someone who would be way more spiritual than that. <laughs> that you would be able to get a parking spot way closer. For some reason, people thought I was way more spiritual than that a lot. <laughs> oh, one person thought I was way too spiritual to be living where I was living, actually. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the way of the basically the godless mind. That's the way of the godless mind. It's looking for manifestations in the physical sense. It's looking for, and I'm like, oh, well, I don't need a close spot parking spot. She's like, what? And I go, yeah, I didn't need a close parking spot. Because if I needed a close parking spot, I would have had one. And she's just kind of like, what the heck? I'm like, yeah, that's how that is. And, you know, someone told me, uh, oh, you got to get out of there where I was living. You got to get out of there. And I was like, really? Why is that? And, you know, she had all these stories about how I need to get out of there because it's so dangerous where I live. It's the worst place to live. And I go, well, I'm sure I'm completely protected. And if I was meant to get out of there, I would go. And, uh, and, and she said, well, I just, I can't believe that, you know, someone as spiritual as you would not realize that that is a really bad place to be and just get out of there. And I go, well, you know, if, if I meant to get out of there, I'm sure I'm going to uh, see the way. <laughs> Basically, the way is provided for you to leave any, if it's meant for you to leave, it's if it's meant for you to quit a habit even. See, one of my friends was sharing that with me, like he'll get this sense like he's supposed to not be smoking weed he's got a uh, he's got a pipe and he smokes weed and he drinks whiskey too he gets a sense that he shouldn't be doing that um and 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 you know he reflected back to me but i'm sure if i shouldn't be doing that then the holy spirit is going to provide the means that's right that's exactly right so you don't have to even entertain any of those thoughts, whether it's a habit, whether it's where you live, um, whether it's a people you live with, whether it's a parking spot, something simple like that. Um, this week also, I have one credit card left because my credit is shot now. <laughs> I had um, I, I had uh, this this thing where it seemed like, oh, I can't pay my credit card bills. Okay, then I just won't pay them since I can't pay them. I mean, what am I going to do? 
Um, and, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, and I, I've had like the best credit you could have for so long. Like I could just walk into a car dealership with no money down and I can get any car I want. Cause I just had it all the way up at the top. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I guess, uh, if no can, no can. So just stop paying those. Um, so anyways, I'm down to one credit card. It's, you know, anything that had to do with the business, any business credit cards, I just was found out, oh, well, it's not there. So, <laughs> um, so down to one credit card and then that credit card apparently gets frauded while I'm on a trip, um, it gets frauded and they cancel it. They're sending me another one, but I'm not going to get it for three weeks. I'm not going to get it while I'm on this trip. So it's like, uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, how do I even get things? And this sense like, oh my goodness, um, how do I get anything? But I know even within any of the senses that it's all really, really good and it's all working out awesome. And that doesn't mean that I have to see some kind of manifestation that it did work out awesome. It's working out awesome because it's always leading to awakening the mind. So it always works out perfectly. So I get this sense like, oh my goodness, I've got to fly home. In fact, I told my friend Goda, I may not be able to stay because I can't like, if I can't get uh, the bills paid for the business, I might need to go home and like do the banking to move stuff over to uh, to a debit card or something like that, since it's going to be three weeks before I get my only credit card back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's it transpired in a certain way where it just worked out and I'm uh I am going to stay here for another week. Um but even if I find myself if I did find myself flying back early Wednesday morning, I know all these things are working together for good and that's why I find joy in everything. This is this is very big because people are always looking at the illusion to show them that they're on the right path. The illusion is set up to show you the opposite of what you are. It's set up like that. Okay? So if you're willing to see that it's set up like that, you can also uh you can also um, almost almost like be navigated. I almost said navigate yourself, but it's not like that because you're opening up and you're surrendering to a different guide. It's almost like a higher guide. You've got the ego guide that wants everything to go the way you think it should go. And then you've got your higher guide. You've got the Holy Spirit who only wants you to see because in seeing you're happy, you feel good, and your life will be navigated according to the spirit, to the extent that you'll surrender what you think you want out of it. See, and that's why I keep on seeing, I keep on having the perception of being just embraced in this life because, because I just easily move toward, I'm not even trying to move away from anything, but I'm just easily moved Toward the people who can appreciate me and love me and be sweet to me. I'm, at, I'm just easily drawn toward those things because I don't need to try to make my own way. I'm not depending on myself to try to manifest what I think I need. If everything's for a lesson, I know exactly why I'm parked way out there um, at that farmer's market that day. 
I know exactly why I'm parked way out there so that we can have this interaction. These meetings are very important. You know, they're sacred meetings. So we could have that interaction where someone who finds that, you know, is actually using that to uh, gauge their own worth, their own value. They're using that whether to, to see whether or not they're valuable enough. And here's how the ego, ego works. If you want to do that for a lot of the time, uh, in the beginning at least, um, you're going to find, oh, I'm good at this. Okay, I'm good. If you use that to say I'm good. The parking spot was close. Therefore, I'm on the right spiritual path. That person was nice to me. Therefore, I'm on the right spiritual path. I'm saying no to that. That's not true. That is not true. It's not that person was nice to me or I got that parking spot that means I'm on the right path. Is am, it, It's am I willing to see that all this stuff is meaningless? Because that's where you'll find the real relief. It's not based on something you perceive through your body's senses. That relief is not based on something you perceived. The relief is based on you just got some insight. You just saw something. It's like, ah, the spirit comes upon you. It's like the spirit descends on you. This stuff is orgasmic, okay? More so than any orgasm you can get in sex. And you know what? I heard from a friend that they're not even having orgasms in sex, but they keep on doing it. Is that yeah, <laughs> that's that's you, Goda. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there, there's a projection too. I'm thinking this person must have great orgasms. They keep on wanting to have a bunch of sex. <laughs> but you know, orgasms aren't really the reason we're having sex, is it? Now, uh, no, it's for awakening the mind. <laughs> Aloha, Skyra. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. I love you. <laughs> By the way, that verse, it says, let God be God and every man a liar. That's Romans 3, 4. Um, it's put another way too, isn't it, Bob? Uh, for some reason, that's, that's uh, percolating at the moment, but it's not quite on the on the tip of my mind. That's a really good way to say it too. Let God be true and every man be a liar. I really like that. Um, but, you know, because uh, we put all this emphasis and this is this is the path of the godless. This is what the godless people do. OK, when I say godless, of course, they're still godly, but they don't they don't uh, give any. Um, let's say they don't give any credit to God. <laughs> They're giving credit to the to the um, cunningness of their own mind, and which is really the ego. And that is the cunning mind looking to manifest something. That is the ego. That is not that is not God. Okay, God does not care or know about this stupid ass parody of a life that you made up or what you're going to manifest in it. Um, all God knows is that you think you're missing from the kingdom, and God's doing everything. God can do to bring you back short of going against what you think is your will. Okay. God doesn't go against whatever you, you think is your will. 
they need a credit card from heaven. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it, Glenn. And you know, when I got the sense that, uh, uh, okay, this is just not going to happen. Like these credit cards are just way too high now. It's just not, it's not, it's not actually, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's not happening right now, let's say, um, because it's just not feasible. Um, you know, I'm not asking God, God, please give me the money to pay my credit cards. No, that's the wrong, that's a wrong prayer, wrong prayer. No. Uh, and you know, it's funny because it's not like I had anxiety about it at all. It's like, Oh, thank goodness. Thank this is what I need. This is exactly what I need. I have been, I have had the best credit. Um, and you know, uh, for who knows how long, 30 years, maybe no 25. I don't know, but, um, there's definitely, uh, you can, you can build up a kind of, uh, self-righteousness about that and who knows what else. So I know it's perfect for me. I'm thankful. My prayer is gratitude. My prayer is not asking for a credit card, credit card from heaven. I just love this. <laughs> oh, thank you, Natalie. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, yeah, I just love that. Uh, that I don't have to ask God for any stupid shit. You know, that's really, you know, of course in miracles puts it, you're asking for too little. It's not that you're asking for too much. People think they're asking for too much, right? I could have asked for the, what was it? Like $300,000 that I needed to pay. Right? <laughs> the $300,000 part just cracks me up. You know, I told my mom about that. She's like, how in the world did you even rack that much up? And I go, I don't know, but I'm willing to rack more up if they want to give it to me. <laughs> but it's, yeah. And, and, you know, that's the way most people pray. Um, Christians included. Okay. You know, definitely there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of being uh, led astray in Christianity. It's very, very common. Um, it's, it's the most common thing I see. Um, but it's not as if going godless is the answer to that, right? Or saying I'm God is the answer to that. Okay, you guys, yeah, you're God because there's no separation. How can you not be God? And yet you believe in separation. That's why you're perceiving separate things. In that sense, you're not you're not working with the mind of God. Okay. You're working with the mind of an ego. So that's why it's helpful to see the manifestation of you is an extension of God. It's a creation. Uh, the true manifestation of you is God's creation. That's the truest manifestation. Okay. But what you're perceiving here is not the true manifestation. It's a false manifestation because it is vulnerable. Apparently you, what you made is a vulnerable image. It's not even real. Okay. So that what, that's why in that sense, um, you know, when people are saying I'm God, they're not really understanding what that means, you know, to the ego, the ego's celebrating whenever you guys are saying I'm God. Okay. Because you know, you know what that means to an ego. It's all about this world. It's all about manifesting and go ahead. Tell me that's not the reason you're saying I'm God. Okay. It's all about wanting to manifest something in a make-believe world. And that's why I'm saying it's actually godless, all right? It's not leading to anything good. It's only going, uh, it's only going to death. 
And let me let me say this too. It is also leading to something good just because every experience and it's in, in a godless experience, it's making suffering, which is good. Okay. But from an ego's perspective, even, uh, you know, that's not leading to something good because the ego thinks that it doesn't want any suffering while underneath that not wanting suffering, it's projecting suffering. Okay. It's like both at the same time. It's a trick. It's like, I don't want suffering. And that's why I know what I want to manifest. I don't want suffering. That's why I know what I need. I know this is what I need. You don't know what you need. You need what you need is what you got. And and I know people are like, what? If you, if do I, did I really need to get raped like that? Yes, you did. Okay. And it didn't happen. Okay. The rape that you're referring to is projected right now. It didn't happen in the past. It's being projected right now. That means it can be healed right now. You know, my daughter told me a sad story last night too, uh, about how, you know, she, one time she got a spanking from her dad when she was really little. And, you know, it, it was, it was a whole thing with us it was like social services and all this other stuff. Um, cause you know, she got a spanking and then she went to uh kinder care and then they saw marks on her. And then it was like a whole thing. And he never spanked her again. He, in fact, he was relieved. He was like, Oh my goodness, I don't have to do that. So it's like a pass. It's like, shit, I didn't want to do that. I thought I had to, you know, it's like conditioning playing itself out. Right. So she told me this really sad story. It really stuck out in her mind, you know, how she got this spanking and, uh, and, and yeah, it's like, I could feel it. It's like, and again, that's empathy, right? That's empathy. I could feel it when she's taught, she's saying it to me. Um, I could feel it. And that's coming from my own mind though. So immediately I need compassion. What we do when we get empathetic, especially if it's about yourself, is you shut off compassion for yourself right away. Your mind starts running to something. So immediately accepting compassion for myself because I'm the mom in this situation too, where it's like, it's basically, it's an abusive situation, right? Um, so immediately allowing compassion for myself. And then, you know, we had a, a, a nice conversation about it. Um, has she completely worked it out yet? Not yet as from what I can tell. And I don't know for sure, because again, um, you know, we are in our own freaking world. So um, as it comes up though, it's kind of like, okay, I got this sense that I was a little girl and there was this big man and he was spanking me. And actually it felt kind of rapey, even though there was no rape going on, it it felt kind of rapey because it seemed like there was this big man um, doing something to me. And, you know, and, and then, and then she also said, I know that's nothing compared to what you went through mom, because, you know, in, in my perception, I have like so much much more a spanking would have been okay but here's the thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but here but here's but here's the thing though you can't compare because everyone gets whatever they can handle 
Okay. And everyone gets whatever they can handle. So this was an amazing impact on her, something that's still being carried to this day, even though, you know, you might say, if you're coming from my perspective, geez, it was just a spanking. No, but that's not how I feel about it at all. It really isn't. Um, it's, it's just that if you're, if you're into comparing things, Another comparison might be, you know, someone with a, a really, they, they feel like they had such a charmed life. This is the worst thing in the world, right? To those social services per- persons, this was the worst thing in the world. And both of us were kind of like, what the heck? Isn't this what you do? <laughs> like, as par- uh, are you telling me I don't have to spank my kid? Thanks. <laughs> Am I going to be off the hook, like not guilty? Um, even though I don't spank my kid, will that be okay? You know, that was our mindset at that time. We were both kind of like, they're telling us we don't have to spank our kid. This is fucking awesome. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But here's the thing. We always get enough that we can handle. Here's another thing. Forgiveness is not forgiveness unless there's something to forgive. So we all have something to forgive. We all have something that needs forgiveness. And and one of the things that I got from that show, The Chosen, which I love, and Jesus says, says, the son of man has the ability to forgive sins. That's what it is. And, you know, just apply that to everyone. If son of man thing is bumming you out, um, basically everyone has the ability to forgive sins. Because there is no sin, but it's projected right now. And so that's where the ability is. And it's not like it, it's not like you did that and I forgive you. That's not forgiveness. That's an ego's way of forgiveness. It's like what I thought happened. And it looks so daunting. It looks so terrible. Okay. Uh, and and you know, the the way the way it's presented and the way my daughter is going through it, it is it, you know, it's a terrible terrible thing. Um, and that's why there's, that's why it occurs for forgiveness so that you will be willing to see that nothing happened. What I thought happened didn't really happen. That's where the forgiveness comes. That's where it's, ah, the relief. And then you're not holding it anymore and suffering over it and projecting it forward as time goes on. And you know, kind of like projecting it into all these different people that seem to be popping up in the experience and making them into playing that role for you again and again. You know, some people experience um, being beat and raped repeatedly and it's only from holding on to an interpretation. It's basically unforgiveness because it's holding on to what you think happened. Okay. And, and here's the thing. It's that's the ego's game is for you to be right. It's like, would you ba- rather be right? Or would you rather be healed? Right. And that's why it was such a no brainer for me, you know, Someone who, you know, it seems like I suffered so much abuse at the hands of this person. And this includes sexual abuse. This includes the kind of abuse that sends people to the hospital. Okay. Like bust open head and shit like that. And, you know, but, but forgiveness is so powerful that 
all of that stuff is wiped away. It's clean. It's just clean when there's willingness to see that what I thought happened didn't really happen. And that's why it was such a no brainer and just an automatic thing for me to let this person know nothing happened, right? Uh, The person wanted to apologize to me and I just let that person know, hey, nothing happened. (laughs) So, (laughs) Casey, you're here. There's someone behind me. Yes, there's two people behind me. It's it's my friend, Goda, uh, and it's also my daughter, Akea. Yes, there's two people back there. Um, They're not totally in view of the camera, but you know what they're doing back there? They're doing block therapy. (laughs) Casey, Casey also loves block therapy. So she's happy about that. Uh, And then, and then Nael, who used to be raised in the same group that I was raised in, um, told me to tell my daughter stories of our demerit days. They call it demerit, <laughs> but, but, you know, I know, I know that kind of stuff comes up, but what I'm saying, what I'm also saying, yes, thank you, Akea. Thank you. I know that kind of stuff comes up, but I want, yeah, that's what I want to point out. Akea just said it. It's not a contest um, because we're all given the test that we can handle. There's, I know there's a Bible verse on this too, Bob, about how you don't get uh, anything that you're, that that's not right for you, that you can't handle. So, you know, me getting what I got as far as the circumstance and, you know, uh, what I'm saying is nothing happened. Uh, anything that I can perceive right now, I'm projecting right now, and it's all a projection. And I, I don't mind projecting it because I use the projection for healing. So it's not like I'm I'm going I'm, I'm going I'm like denying that I had this experience. I had the experience. Yes, it didn't happen, but I had the experience. Okay, so. Uh, So I use the projection right now because that's the only time a projection can be a projection right now, even though it's in the form of of a memory for healing. For me, I feel that it is completely healed because when it comes up for me, I don't have any kind of animosity toward anyone and I don't feel bad about it within myself. I don't have stories that make me feel bad. All the stories make me feel extremely joyful because of the forgiveness. Okay. So that's what we're looking for in all of our stories. And I know that that people have a hard time with having gone through a difficult situation because it seems like they are less. It seems like now somehow I've been made dirty at this point and, uh, and, and now I can't have a beautiful life because I have these memories plaguing me. That's not the case. It's just the unforgiveness that's plaguing you because once you have the forgiveness, the memories are beautiful. Even the memories of, uh, of having been uh, thrown down and having my head busted. Um, it's a beautiful memory to me because I know that it didn't happen. And I know that I've used it for forgiveness. And that's why it's a beautiful memory. And I can use the memory the projection right now for helping other people see through what they think happened to them and get the forgiveness that they most certainly deserve and then be able to go on with the life in a very purposeful way, okay? And so then we don't have to keep on abusing and self-attacking ourselves. Isn't that awesome? So hooray, everyone. Aloha, Carla. Thank you for joining. I appreciate you. I also wanted to relate to you. I saw... um, 
Casey, I saw Billy's message and I thought it was great. I showed it to Akea too, my daughter Akea, um, or I read it to her. Um, Billy, I'll just tell the story because it's such a fun story. Billy's such an amazing character to me because um, he's really a, a great reflection of someone who trusts the Lord. Um, he trusts the he trusts in, in the truth, and um, he's willing to smile with every kind of circumstance. So, anyways, here's a really good demonstration of that. He's driving and he's eating a burrito while driving. <laughs> that that hasn't been made against the law yet. Um, but he did get pulled over for being on his cell phone. And he told the officer, his female officer, he told the officer, I wasn't on my cell phone. What you saw was my burrito. I took a bite of a burrito. I haven't made a call. And uh, she's, she's like, I know what I saw. And so she wrote him the ticket and he ended up going to court and he walked up and it's so funny because I have all this background, this legal background just to hear, you know, someone's story when they don't have a legal background. They're just going to this court and um, he's really well studied and well practiced. He practices all the time, praising, forgiving. He's just beautiful um, and, you know, uh, reflection for me. Um, so he goes in. He goes in there and he sees the prosecutor. First thing he sees the prosecutor and the prosecutor acts surprised that he's not, um, he doesn't have an attorney, which, you know, that's what they do. They act, this is a, this is a ticket for being on your cell phone. And the prosecutor acts like, oh, you're going to represent yourself in there. And he, he tries to just have a conversation with the prosecutor and go, hey, you know what? I actually have the phone records. I can show you the phone records to show you I wasn't on my phone. I was actually eating a burrito, which isn't against the law to eat a burrito and drive. <laughs> I don't know if he told him that. That's me oh. iterating that. I know it's not against the law to do that yet. Um, it may be soon. Who knows? <laughs> get you get some money out of you anyway, you know? Um, so the prosecutor says, oh, yeah, well, it doesn't really matter because the judge just listens to what the prosecutor says anyways. So, it, you know, he walks in, he talks about the big doors. Billy tells me about the big, tall, the doors, there's a door, there's tall ceilings, everything's big, um, trying to make you feel small, right? So the officer doesn't show up for the testimony. And the judge asks him, do you object? And he's like, I don't know about objections. All I know is I'd like to, you know, get this over with. So the judge just dismisses his case right away. And, you know, this is this is great because this is actually something that, um, you know, I learned a lot about uh, more worldly stupidity knowledge. And yet I learned a lot about how this municipality kind of system is just meant to get money out of people. And I've seen it over and over again. Most people don't get off. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's like you don't, they want the money. Basically the judge is sitting there to get your money. All right. The prosecutor is there to get your money. The police officer, same thing. That's all. That's what it's all about. And most people just pay. So when you come to court, they want to show you that you still have to pay. It's like a dog and pony show, starting with the prosecutor acting surprised that you don't have an attorney, like you're not going to you're not going to make it. But it was just um, it was just this, uh, this sense, too, with Billy, just like a lamb. 
Like, you know, I just, I know him. I know how it is. It's like this, this lamb, this kind, sweet lamb, just kind of like, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I can show you the film records and we can look at, look at it like this and just willingness to be going through it. It's just like, okay, you know, you're out of here. That's it. You're out of here. And that's the thing about the system. The system also has no power over you, no matter what it looks like. You know, I've been to court before too. Uh, and, and, and it's like, when I go in there, I just know that it doesn't really have power over me, but it's meant to look like that. And that's really a good symbol about how the world is meant to look as if it has power over you. It has the final say about, you know, how, how things are going to go, but really it's not. And your protection is in trusting. It can change anything. And here's the thing too. In the event, the judge says, nope, nope, this is just how it goes. We just do it like this. And you just have to pay. Your willingness to see through that will show you even, you know, even beyond the, these, this manifestation kind of thing, Billy doesn't give a shit. He, He does not care. Okay. I know I'm speaking for Billy right now, and but I'm I'm uh, 99.9% sure he'd agree with me on this, that whether he paid a ticket or not, isn't the thing because he's in there for healing. That's what it's for. And so many times, you know, you're going to see that it's, you know, it's, it's got like a, a, a sweet vibe to it. And people can just pick up on this sweet Five. Now, I was talking about telling the truth earlier, right? Um, and and I was saying, I'm not just like, I'm going to tell the truth wherever I go and always tell the truth. So in this situation, I'm probably not going to be led to tell the judge, hey, you know, this is really all just an illusion and I don't even belong here and you shouldn't be doing this and all this kind of stuff. That's not that's not where it's going to come up unless it absolutely needs to. And then in that case, I'm going to take whatever the circumstance gives me, whatever it is. If it says they're they're cuffing me and saying you're going to jail now. Right. It's just in in a circumstance. Things are working out exactly as they need to. And when there's trusting, even if the the situation is where it normally goes this way, it can change on a dime. And what I've seen before, the only time it's changing like that, the only time it's changing like that is when someone does like a motion to dismiss and they do all this paperwork and they do all these things to get out of it. But in this case, it's like the system and the, and the, um, the whole trajectory of it was just disrupted by this lamb of a man that just walks in there and he's just he's just happy and calm and he'll take whatever it is see everyone feels you and when you're going into a circumstance where the whole the whole field is trying to get you to feel small and insignificant where the whole system is like that it kind of disrupts the system where you're like, you're, you're humble and you're kind, but you're not afraid of what's going to happen to you. So most people who walk into the courthouse are going in with a sense that they're afraid of what's going to happen. See, no fear, no trying to manifest either. And I had a similar situation like that too, when I went in for being a neglectful parent got that one with my son because I wasn't making him go to school. So I got called in for being a neglectful parent to court. 
everyone around me was really scared, right? So the judge kept on uh, issuing these rulings and stuff. But for me, it was a learning opportunity. And there was no uh, sense like my son did something wrong because he wouldn't go to school. Um, There was no sense that I did something wrong because I wouldn't force my son to go to school. There was just a sense that this is for a learning opportunity. So in that case, too, I saw something that's really rare. The judge just dismissed the case. And they're there, you know, with social services people ready to take your kid. Even my son was going, Mom, I heard that um, when people get in these kinds of things, they get taken away from their parents. And I go, well, that wouldn't be a bad thing. And he's like, what? And I go, well, you know, it's that goes back to that thing. All things work together for good again. So uh, this sense of not being afraid It allows things to go uh, gently. It allows things to go gently for you because the sense of fear, like I said before, we pick up on that. So the judge even picks up on your sense of fear. It doesn't even know why, doesn't really know why, but will be issuing these rulings too. And, 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 you know, oftentimes, unless there's some lesson that you need from getting a ruling where you're going to court or taking your kid or whatever, um, you're getting these rulings, uh, often, most of the time, you're going to see that they're just going to go in your favor because you're not afraid. They don't realize that's the reason, but it is because you're not afraid. All of a sudden they feel gentle toward you. Here's one more story about courts. It's just coming up for me. My mom, my mom has been, has, has gone whenever she gets a ticket, she likes to go to court. She doesn't like her insurance to go up. So she doesn't just pay it. And the judge told my mom, it sounds like you want me to just dismiss this case and totally let you off the hook for what you did. And my mom goes, well, yes, I I would really like that. And he goes, okay. (laughs) Okay. You know, and the thing is when my mom, my mom goes in there, you know, she's a Christian and in her, and in her Christian way, um, she trusts the Lord. So that eliminates fear. See, and you know, the whole, the whole courtroom is like, you know, you're watching this judge issue ruling after ruling after ruling. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's like, and man, I've just been sending all these, all these people making them pay their tickets. And it sounds like you just want me to dismiss yours. And she's like, well, yes, I would like that. And that's it. Okay. I got something here. I'm about ready to check out, uh, but I got this or check in in a different place. Check out a wisdom dialogues. <laughs> um, Natalie, yes, you helped me see last year when I was in trouble, and you know you weren't in trouble, and gonna get a fine that anything is possible, and there's nothing to say that they couldn't be that they couldn't be sweet to me. So I wasn't afraid, and they were sweet. Yes. That is so, so common uh, um, that that it, when you're not afraid now, there's still, you know, uh, there's there's still a possibility, of course, that someone's going to not be sweet. Don't take that as if you did something wrong. That's also an opportunity for you to see what did we say before that you're perfectly unaffected by any kind of meanness. 
Okay. You're perfectly unaffected. So it's for you to see that, but more often than not, um, when you are unafraid, they will be sweet to you. That's how that is. Um, so you weren't afraid and they were sweet. Although the irony was I got to a point where I didn't care either way. Right. And that, well, see, that's a thing, Natalie, you cannot be, uh, you cannot be relieved of fear where there's something that you wouldn't accept. Like, let's say, um, you're going, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not going to jail. Well, that's fear actually, because you're afraid of one particular outcome. Okay. Um, to, to really be unafraid is to have any outcome except any outcome. Um, like for instance, um, we've been driving around without a seatbelt, <laughs> right? Goda. So I, when I get in Goda's, not when we're driving the Bentley, for some reason we are wearing seatbelts in the Bentley. I'm not even going to try to figure this out. Um, I'm not. yeah, no, no need. But when we drive in the Prius, um, which is, you know, considered the crap car of the family. Um, we get in, we get in and the, and the, and the seat belts are already locked. Okay. So I sit down on the seat and I realize the seat belt, I'm like, oh, the seat belt's already locked. And Goda goes, oh yeah, I don't like wearing a seatbelt. So I just lock it behind me. So I don't have to hear the dinging. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. When in Rome, right. I'm just going to sit in the seat. too. <laughs> I'm just going to sit in the seat like that too. Um, so, so I, I'm cruising around and it's not that I'm not afraid because I'm sure that there's not going to be, uh, the appearance of an accident. Um, it's not that I'm unafraid because I'm sure that um, my head isn't going to go through the windshield. I have no idea. Actually, I'm not afraid because I don't mind what happens. That's why I'm not afraid. Okay. So that's the thing that we want to see is that we, is that nothing happens and whatever we seem to see, whatever we seem to think happens is all for our benefit. And then you're not afraid. Okay. That's when you're not afraid, but fear will bring fearful manifestations. And it doesn't matter if you're wearing a seatbelt or not. Okay. Because, because if you're wearing a seatbelt and you're thinking that you're safe, because you're wearing the seatbelt, that's actually fear. And it's actually leading to death at some point in time, <laughs> you know, maybe not, maybe not manifest as, as a car accident, but that is what's leading to death. It's fear and anything that's, that's depending on the manifestation to be relieved from fear is fear. It actually is fear. Okay. And that's what the whole seatbelt thing is. Don't be fooled by the stupid seatbelt laws. Okay. Those are really meant to make you uh, believe that your life can be saved by a manifestation like a seatbelt. That is not true. Okay. It's really meant to make you believe that. That is not the truth. Yay. I love you. Um, thank you so much. Um, but since then, I have noticed just a ton of people acting sweetly to me. Yes, you're going to notice that more and more. And that's how it is for me, too. It's like it, it's like people are just so freaking sweet to me. And, you know, once in a while, when I get that perception that someone's not sweet, for, not, not sweet to me, I know that it's good. And I know that it's good for them too. I know that it's really good for them, whatever it is. I don't know what the lesson is that's between them and their guide, but I know that it's really good for them. And I'm happy for everyone involved. 
And, you know, being in that way too also makes manifestations of more and more sweet people. Um, Give the girlies a big hug. That's Glenn. He wants to hug you guys. Wisdom dialogue style. Hmm. Wisdom dialogue style hug. Okay. So that's... (laughs) I'm thinking it's probably not pervy. <laughs> We're not, I'm not, I, I'm, I, well, you know, and the thing is people might think I'm pervy because like, uh, geez, I, I just uh, bounced Goda's boobs the other day, you know, and that's like one way I show it affection. I just, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> right. Um, oh, and I showed, I showed an old man, my ass this week, not my bare ass. Um, it was, it was through my pants, but, um, he was, he, he was so sweet. He, he was, uh, he was, he was just, the way he was, was just so funny. He was, he was in his chair and he's like, uh, Hey, uh, something like something like, Hey girls, uh, here's my ass. He's like showing us his ass, not pulling his pants down, but just showing us his ass. And he's like, and and he he's like hinting that he wants to see ours now since he showed his and i was like i'll show you one <laughs> so um so yeah a, a pervy doesn't have anything to do with these body parts these body parts there's like i said before and you know uh, uh, I, I guess i'm fond of saying this now since 2 weeks ago there's no difference between the clit and the earlobe really it's just that we've made these things into this and, and, you know, it's not really a set it's sexual may not be the word and may not be the word I'm looking for. It may be more lustful. That's what it is. And lust could be applied to anything. Let's say a bitch and ass mansion, you see a bitch and ass mansion, and now you're lustful for the mansion. It's the same thing as being lustful for another body. These are all bodies, whether it's a house, a body, a car, a job, whatever being lustful. Um, and that's what the pervy thing is, right? It's lustful. Um, that's, that's where it's kind of like this vibe that is, um, you know, last week I used the word malevolent. I know people are taking that in a way where it's guilty. It's not a guilty thing to be lustful. Okay. This is just something that arises and notice the energy. Notice that it is, uh, it is lustful. That means that uh, it's, it's going in a direction that you actually don't want to go. You think you want to go in that direction, but it's not a direction you want to go because it's distracting you and going toward blindness. Okay. That's all you need to know. You don't need to stop it from going in that direction. Let that play out. You play it out enough and then you eventually see. So, you know, I've, I'm the kind of person that, you know, I'll grab an ass here. I'll grab some tits here. It's just that there's no lustful. So it's innocent and playful like children. And that's the way we will find ourselves eventually at some point in time, everyone will be like that. And we won't be afraid of these body parts. We won't be feeling like we have to cover them up because they're dirty because they are not dirty. We've made them dirty with being lustful about them. Okay. Yay. And also, you know, people will have orgasms whenever they have sex. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, you know, I love getting reflections from people because, you know, I don't know. I didn't, I, I mean, I myself didn't ha- start having those physical orgasms, which really are nothing compared to, um, and compared to forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is way more than that, but I didn't start having the physical orgasm. So I was having sex for a little while. Um, but, but man, it's like, uh, uh it, it's like, a, a lot of people are doing that and not uh, and not having that kind of experience still yet there's this lustfulness about something something is uh, uh something i don't know the closeness the uh sense of really sense fast. of completion they're really fast yeah they're not taking the time yeah yeah okay yeah that's pretty common yeah Meanwhile, I don't really know sex without orgasms. <laughs> I don't really know that kind. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's uh, let's see. I love you. I love you, Bob. Next week, since you'll still be there, um, try out the hot. Try. You'd like me to try out the hot tub? <laughs> we'll see what we can do. You know what? Maybe we can arrange that if we have a whole week to figure it out. Um, maybe someone else will read my comments to me. And then I won't have to touch my computer. We'll see. All right. Um, so until next week, I love you guys so much. Thank you. I'm just going to look at this list of people I have on here because I like to see your names. Oh, I love you. I love you, Phoebes, Natalie, Glenn, Margaret, oh, Chitta, Bob, Anastasia. And I think I've got Leia on here. I don't have your number recognized, uh, memorized, Leia, but I think I got you on here too. And then my Facebook peeps, Carla, Nell. Uh, Casey, Sky, yeah, Skyra, yay, Constance, Cynthia, Ariel, Max, thank you for your comments. And those of you who haven't commented and the ones who are listening later, I love you so much. Thank you. You're amazing. And I appreciate you. I'll be back next week broadcasting again from Chicago. Woo. Well, I'm on the outskirts of it. Palos Park. Yay. Palos. 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 I keep <laughs> me and Ikea were joking around because you know we, we come from California and we have Palos. We have Palos Verde, uh, probably some other ones. Um, but we say Palos. We have Palos, Palos, Palos. Um, and then it's Palos, but it's not even Palos, it's Palos. Yeah. Pa- like Palos shoes, I guess. Yay. Um, <laughs> um oh, I'm about this. Uh, we need to do some Google search. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aloha, Mozo and Max and Stacy. I love you. I love you, Anastasia. Thank Aloha. you. And uh, and Natalie says uh, thank you, Phoebs. And uh, okay. oh yeah, oh yeah, Mozo. Um, if anyone, I don't know if Mozo is just going to be way too booked now, but um, he is the non-pervy massage therapist, the most non-pervy massage therapist ever. And he likes chicks too, but he doesn't try to perv on them. I've been having massages from him for like 10 years. Kaya says the same thing. Everyone says the same thing. So um, anyways, Akea says she's coming back to Pune, Mozo. She's excited about having massage with you. <laughs> uh, Natalie said, yes, forgiveness is super orgasmic. Much love. Enjoy your Illinois retreat. Yes, I am very much. Thank you so much. Until next week, mahalo, aloha, and a hui ho. <laughs>